Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And uh, three times is not the charm for this movie today. <laughs> three times is very much um, a curse. It is uh, Blade Trinity from 2004. We decided to do Blade Trinity because, as a lot of you might know, uh, during Comic-Con this past weekend, it was announced that Mahershala Ali will be playing Blade in the reboot. I, I imagine reboot. I can't imagine it's actually going to be a sequel to this film because this film does not exist within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, what what I could see them doing is kind of like um, an Incredible Hulk situation, like the Edward Norton Hulk, how it kind of had uh, some kind of like touchstone, some kind of connection with uh, the Ang Lee Hulk. But it was very much a reboot, kind of like a spiritual sequel in a way. I, I could see them doing that. Yeah, I bet. You know, they laid so much of the groundwork, um, the yeah. the Wesley Snipes films. Um, so, you know, I, I would be surprised if they even, uh, you know, I'm sure they're in communication with Wesley Snipes, or they will be to some extent uh, for, you know, as much as he's still interested, which I think he is. I think in the last few years he's tweeted about being blade again <laughs> of course he has i mean he he likes he likes this this character he has a very strong connection with it um i mean the first blade that came out in 1998 was like the first movie of the modern superhero era it was before the the um the x-men series yep it was before the spider-man as well because the first spider-man came after 9-11 yeah blade blade definitely kind of set the template for um the post schumacher batman superhero landscape um batman and robin i believe came out in 1997 and then blade came out um the next year which which is insane to think about um comparing those two movies um but yeah a a lot of a lot of the modern mcu and a lot of the modern i would say the entire modern like hollywood uh superhero aesthetic owes doesn't owe everything to blade but it has like it's it's very much grounded in the blade um template that that started yeah, that's true. And a lot of that actually, to give this guy a little bit of credit, and then we'll take that credit away from him later, uh, <laughs> David S. Goyer, who is the uh, director of this film. So he, he wrote all of the Blade films. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote all of the Nolan Batman films. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he wrote every screenplay for the Nolan Batman films, but he was like a story he's writer. He's credited. Yeah, he's credited. Yeah. I think he actually wrote Batman Begins, though. Like yeah, actual yeah. screenplay is his. Um, okay, and I believe Batman versus Superman as well. He wrote. Um, I again, I, I think it's a screen credit, a screenwriting credit. I'm not sure if he actually did the script. Um, yeah, yeah, it could be story. I, I think that I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, he's he's been integral in the creation of a lot of modern superhero films. One might say he's the Dracula to Wesley Snipes's Blade. <laughs> <laughs> he, he created he created this beast while Wesley Snipes turned it into something uh, a force for good. Yeah, and you know the first Blade film and the second Blade film, they had good directors or at least competent directors. Yeah. The the first Blade film is uh, Steve Norrington, who had just always been in kind of the genre work, you know, more of a behind the scenes guy. Then was given a few films to direct. I don't think Blade is his first film. Um, And then, of course, the second Blade film, we have Guillermo del Toro, who, uh, you know, that's a guy we could probably do a whole episode on. Um, Just, um, you know, I don't want to say our disdain, but um, our distaste for his cinema. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Where we don't hate him, but we we certainly don't love him, not to the degree that the internet at large does. Right. Um, So we don't have to go into that. But, like, he made a serviceable Blade film. Yes. And I will say, um, Stephen Norrington, the, the tragedy of Stephen Norrington, he, he has a fascinating filmography. He directed, he directed one movie before Blade in 1994 called Death Machine. I have no idea what that is. Then it's he like directed a killer Blade. robot movie, I think. Yeah, some, some kind of horror thing. Yeah. Um, it has a cool poster, that's all I know. Oh, with the then hand, he, right? Yeah, yeah like the, the robot hand. hand. The yeah, that's pretty cool. The water. And then he directed something called The Last Minute in 2001 which is described as a uh, an urban gothic film, so whatever. And then he directed The League of Extra- Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's right, in, yes. In 2003. <laughs> in that, in, and then his filmography cuts off there, 
the Wikipedia, ever, ever reliable Wikipedia, has this gigantic um, section called Unrealized Projects. He was supposed to direct Blade 2. He was supposed to direct uh, Shang-Chi, actually, a wow. Shang-Chi adaptation. He was supposed to direct Akira, an Akira adaptation. Damn. Um, he was supposed to direct Clash of the Titans. He was supposed to direct The Crow. But then he got stuck with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Holy shit. So, like, Poor guy. He, he, he hit his peak in, in 1998 with Blade, and then he just got dealt a shit hand, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oof, that's rough. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. You know. Uh, Sorry, Steve. <laughs> I watched the first Blade more recently in the last few years, and it holds up. You know, some of the CGI sucks, but there's actually not yeah. a lot of CGI in it, even. Yes, so yeah. it's it's a lot of practical effects. Um, the rave sequence, the the first sequence, is incredible. Um, a great introduction to the character of Blade. A great introduction to vampires in the world. Uh, it's very quick. You know, it gets out of the way, and then it just it it just it rolls along. Uh, yeah. Unlike this fucking movie. God, we we have to discuss this movie. I guess we <laughs> distract ourselves so much. We're like, oh yeah, oh Comic Con. Oh, Blade One. Oh, the the fail son director of Blade One. Oh, and then we finally came here. Yeah, but the real fail son director is David S. Goyer, uh, uh, the yes. director of Blade <laughs> Trinity, and yep. like three other movies. He this isn't actually his directorial debut. This is his directorial debut for a big Hollywood film. He did an independent okay. film called Zigzag, which is based on one of his books. Uh, he's also an author. Uh, I, I'm sure maybe five of his friends have actually read his books and that's about it. And, uh, in- including his buddy who is also in this movie, um, yes. Patton Oswalt. Yes. His um, buddy, Patton Oswalt, who is actually in the film zigzag as well. Uh, fuck all of you, uh, people who love Patton Oswalt. He's a horrible person. Only if only because he is good friends with, uh, David Esquire. Yes. And he really threw <laughs> Wesley Snipes under the bus. Um, in that, in that interview he did with, um, the AV club, I think it was like 2014. You know, that's where all the stories around this film come from. Um, they do a sure. series called Random Roles, where they basically go role by role for character actors. Um, and when they got to Blade Trinity, I mean, that was the majority of this interview. And that's where he says, yeah, Wesley Snipes communicated with the director via sticky note. He choked <laughs> the director. He called the director racist. <laughs> like He called Ryan Reynolds a cracker. Oh, my God. He's so fucking awesome. Yeah. That, that's that's incredible. Yeah. That, fuck fuck everyone else on this movie. Wesley Snipes is awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy because so in the same interview, that's where I figured out that uh, Goyer and Patton Oswalt were friends. He says, I did a control F and I was like, how many times does he mention the director by name? And because he's in the film Zigzag, he's like, yeah, my friend David S. Goyer wrote this great book that was adapted into a movie by him. And uh, he's such a smart, great guy. And I really got to know him and he put me in the Blade movie. <laughs> yeah, and then he had you fucking murdered in the Blade movie. Yeah, useless character. Yeah. One of the most useless characters. Completely useless character. We can talk about um, that more uh, later. But Patton Oswald is like the actual villain of the story here. Mm-hmm. Him and and David Esquire as well. But like Patton Oswald put this brain bug <laughs> in our ear that Wesley yes. Snipes was the real problem on the set. But the real problem was. David Esquire's script is fucking trash. He's a terrible yep. director. Wesley yep. Snipes was pissed off that they hired David Esquire, that they had a terrible script. Yeah, justifiably. Yep. Um, you know, it even shows in scenes with like him and Chris Christopherson, Whistler, like they became good friends apparently after filming the first two films together. But like the huh. chemistry is horrible in yeah, this movie. Yeah, Like they yeah, just it's... like, I feel like they're like, you know what? Chris Christopherson's just got to go play with his grandkids. We're going to like let him just like, you know, kind of like sleepwalk through these scenes. Yep, so he, he can, can just get the fuck out of here. He can drive around and type on the keyboard for five seconds and that's it. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Shoot a shotgun, you know. Yeah. He has, yeah. He's got some cool, you know, like shotgun loading skills and uh, yeah. that's about it. <laughs> Uh, you, you do also have um, a quote here from a 2018 Vice interview from Wesley Snipes where he said, um, we laid the foundation for something bigger than we even imagined. That being said, we were the products of those that laid the foundation for us. So Hakuna Matata, which is, yeah, <laughs> which, which is also relevant because um, the, the horrible, tyrannical 
corporate conglomerate that um, that runs Comic-Con known as Disney uh, just <laughs> released a, a, by all accounts, a, a terrible adaptation um, of Lion King. Yep. So it's 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 inescapable, folks. We, uh, we'll be watching this drivel until the seas boil us alive. Yeah. I mean, so I think last year, Disney uh, ticket sales were one third of domestic ticket sales. Uh, so I can only imagine what that's going to look like in the future when we have like three Marvel movies per year, yep. plus maybe two Star Wars, yep. plus whatever else they'll buy in the, in the near future. And they're, and they're going to keep doing that thing. Oh, and the they, Avatar fucking movies. They bought the Avatar yep. franchise. The Avatar movies, uh, the, the next fucking four Avatar movies. Yep. Um, they're going to keep doing that thing where they re-release, uh, the classic, the classic animated films like, um. Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, what have you. They they have so many that they can pull from. Yep. Um, Mulan is next. The trailer for that came yep. out as well pretty recently. Mulan. Um, I could see them resurrecting the, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I could see them doing that. I think they're like, going to. Yeah, I think they've talked about it. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. It, it's 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 one of those things that's like so obvious that you it feels kind of trite to point it out. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't know if like everyone in our audience quite grasps just how dominant disney is um a force like like a cultural force in our in in our society but like it is <laughs> like it really is yeah we live in a society folks and it's walt disney's society we live, yes and it's a small world after all <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, i wish it was because it'd be easier to destroy um you could you, you, you could say that it's a vampire on society Di- disney is the vampire and society mm. is the human host yeah that tracks with, um, yeah. you know, corporate greed and um, white people being the uh, evil vampires in these film series. So, mm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just what, want to shit it? on David Escoyer for just a few more seconds here because he is truly an odious <laughs> human awful. being. Um, yes. So, as we mentioned, he wrote the Nolan Batman films to some yep. degree. Um, I think he really injected the idea of like realistic superheroes into yes. our media and Absolutely. Into, um, into the zeitgeist. I, I don't think anybody was really talking about that until David Escoyer started making, writing these films. Um, because Nolan in interviews talks about how they have to be realistic. Uh, Snyder talks about it. I mean, really the gamut of directors and writers, anytime they talk about modern superheroes are like, Oh, it has to be realistic. It can't be this fanciful bullshit. I, I probably the only person who doesn't believe that is maybe James Gunn. Um, because he has mm-hmm. a fucking raccoon in his movies. So <laughs> shout yes. out to James Gunn, um, yes. for, for doing something, uh, interesting. Um, but also David S. Goyer in 2014, this is something that just shows how little he knows about comic books as yeah. well, like oh actual comic God. books. Uh, yep. He was on a podcast called Script Notes. Never heard of it. Never going to listen to it. I'm sure it's trash. Nope. Um, and he was talking about She-Hulk and he was yep. like, She-Hulk was created to be like a porn star version of Hulk, something that yep. Hulk could fuck. Yeah, it, it, he he literally his his logic literally was, um, She Hulk is a like a a an attractive Hulk woman that's durable enough that when Hulk fucks her, she won't get like ripped apart. Yeah, but like like that was that was his thought process, um, when describing the origins of this character, which is completely incorrect. Completely incorrect. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Walters, She Hulk is Bruce Banner's like cousin. Uh, it, yeah, so she is. Yeah. They they will never fuck. They have never fucked. There's never been um, any... um actually actually in in the old man Logan storyline, one of the villains of Old Man Logan is Hulk, and he becomes like a deranged, like incestuous redneck who produces a brood of Hulklings by mating with She Hulk. Really? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, it it's it, it's 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 wild. It's like it, it, it's not quite like the climax of the story, but like, like like the denouement of the series is like it's just Wolverine, Logan, and just Hulk left, and then like he fights his way through all of like the Hulk clan, and they're all like inbred redneck hicks. Wow, folks! Yep, uh, <laughs> I learned something new about comic books today, and I wish <laughs> I never knew that. Comics, folks, they're they're shit. I will keep this portion in the podcast, but I will try to do the Men in Black uh, brain wipe to myself thank you yeah oh my god i mean i mean of course that's mark millar who's like very very compatible bedfellows with with goyer yeah that's true 
Um, so we have a quote from Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly um, in his review for Blade Trinity, and it goes... Blade Trinity is blunt-witted, visually pedestrian, and overly long, with too many scenes of Blade and his cohorts standing around in darkened corridors, waiting for their enemy to show up. The action, however, is as throat-grabbing as you want it to be. That is not true, and no. we'll talk about that later. Uh, I, I have to interrupt <laughs> no, there, Jesus. because this is so fucking false. Um uh, Gleeperman continues, as one of Blade's two fellow vampire hunters, Ryan Reynolds, the title prepster from National Lampoon's Van Wilder, has pumped up his body, but he retains the light, sarcastic delivery of a college scam artist, and he enlivens the film considerably. Also, <laughs> Jesus also, fuck fucking that. Christ. Uh, and then this sentence is my favorite sentence of this review, and it ties in neatly with the rest of um, the themes of the actual film. So, uh, Gleiberman continues here, The apple-cheeked Jessica Biel is even better. She plays Abigail, the daughter of Chris Christopherson's wizened whistler, with a hip-swinging, devil-in-disguise sex appeal that recalls the 70s porn goddess <laughs> Annette Haven. Jesus. What the fuck? What okay, the fuck, so- Owen? Uh, it's confirmed that Owen Gleiberman is um, a familiar for the Disney Company. He, <laughs> he is a he is a human a human servant of the Vampiric Disney Company, um, just doing their bidding because that is a galaxy brained section of what I can only imagine is galaxy brain review. It's a galaxy brain review. It really is. Um, I just had to highlight these because he's wrong with everything. Well, the first sentence is correct. It is. A blunt-witted, visually pedestrian, overly long, yes. too many scenes of Blade and some assholes doing absolutely nothing. Yep. Um, but then Ryle Reynolds is awful, the action's bad, and I don't understand what the fuck he's talking about with Jessica Biel being like this 70s porn goddess. I, that's insane to me. He's uh, he's just horny. That's all he it is. is. He is um, horny on main, just as horny as David Goyer is oh my God, uh, in the rest yeah. of this film. This film is a very horny film, which, you know... Yeah works in terms of vampire stuff but i think it even goes beyond that here it's just it i I can i can get down with like like you were saying like especially a vampire movie having a certain sensual or or horny or sexy aesthetic that that that's part of the vampire myth it's like predatory sexuality incarnate but like this movie is so lifeless and so awkward and cringy that any attempt to be to be sexy just comes across as like instantly juvenile yeah definitely it's like if you are at a bar in gotham city (laughs) yes if you're in gotham city or if you're in the the random fucking town that this movie takes place in it's like it doesn't have a name and it's weirdly coded as like being a place where everybody speaks esperanto like what do you mean as like like no, Did you numerous hear? Char- yeah, numerous characters speak Esperanto. Are, are, you, Esperanto are you fluent? No, I am not es- kidding with this. There is. How did a, you even pick up on that? I didn't. It was on the IMDb trivia. Um, but there was a weird language. That a few people talk. Yes, and then there the 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 flag because they go to the FBI headquarters in this movie. The right. flag is the Esperanto flag. Holy shit! You're right. Like I yes, it's not I, the American I, flag. That is wild. Like that puts yep. a whole weird spin on this movie. Yeah, and then also Jesus. at one point when Ryan Reynolds is recouping in a hospital bed, he's watching a um, uh, what's his name, uh, William Shatner film called Incubus, which was one of the only films that was uh, all in Esperanto language. Holy, sh- this is some like Illuminati like coded shit yeah. right now like like this yeah. movie this movie's a tax write-off for some shell company <laughs> it like and, and they were coding it in esperanto for like the the five people in the audience that need to see it at the, at the time or whatever that yeah. is wild yeah bonkers it just inscrutable i have no idea why he did this any anyone in the audience who who doesn't know what esperanto is it, it is a manufactured language that is that was um intended to be like a, a global unifying tongue for for any like like a global a global common language that everyone from any nation could speak. Um, it, it kind of really went nowhere. It was too, um, it was it was too Western for for a lot of non um, non Romance language speakers to pick up easily. 
Um, but it's, it's just like a curious cultural artifact from like the 60s or the 70s or something. Yeah, I mean, hence why there was a whole film William Shatner did in in that language, um, which right. I believe is also from, yeah, 60s, 70s. Um, that is crazy. Yep. Yep. That's that's weirdly uncomfortable. I don't like that. I don't know. <laughs> like it's, it's like, that is that is that's creepier than anything in this movie. Yeah, it is. It's also like the only interesting aspect of this film. Like that's that, really, that, that's it. That one little fact about this film is more interesting. Like you just said, it, it is more interesting than anything in this goddamn script. Um, but yeah, so let, let's get down and dirty. Uh, load some content, which will take up the entire rest of this review. Yeah, we've kind of uh, talked about the load some content already. Uh, David Escoyer is terrible. Um, he's too horny on Maine, but it's like in this really like Nick said cringy way, as if you're oh, being oh. hit on at a bar. In in that same script notes podcast, he he also he he spoke dirty of Martian Manhunter. Yes, um, which mm-hmm. which fuck you, buddy. Uh, John Jones would, would is a more interesting character than anything you've ever written. Yeah, yeah. He said that uh, in this day and age, you can call a Martian Manhunter, and that like it had to be like NASA goes to Mars, finds some like DNA of ancient Mar- Martians, uh, brings it back, and then creates Martian Manhunter in a lab. That was his idea. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Again, in my the, you life. know the realism, the realism yep. bullshit. Yep. Um. Yeah. Awful. It's and 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 God, just to keep fucking ragging on this asshole because he deserves it. Like it's it's emblematic of like a very internet heavy, edgy like for almost all, not, I don't want to throw four chan at him needlessly, but like it, it's very like very much like four chan energy, right? David S. Goyer, I would say, is more like if Newgrounds was a person. Yes. More than if 4chan yes. was a person. Because yes, he's that... not as like white supremacist as everybody on 4chan, but like he's definitely yeah. as like dumb dumb nerd and horny on Maine as like Newgrounds was. That that is a much better comparison. Um yeah, he, he is he is Newgrounds incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> um other things that are terrible about this movie that we don't have to just heap onto David Escoyer um would be the score. Uh so the score is done by somebody Jesus. and Riza. I don't know the other person's name, but Riza mm-hmm. from Wu Tang Clan did yep. the score for this movie, and I was trying to place it like while I was watching this, and for like a day afterwards, and then I like woke up this morning and I was like, "Holy shit!" The score is like the score to those like mid two thousands anti DVD piracy commercials, the ones that yes. are like, "You wouldn't steal a car, would you? You wouldn't steal a woman's purse, would you?" It's like it has that energy about it. This score, it's like, and 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 a lot of um a lot of the slow motion sequences from this film, like a lot of the the surreal kind of um I don't even know you'd call it kind of like gradient background like um sequences like those looked like those you wouldn't steal a car you wouldn't steal a dvd yep. um the yep. way they were shot too like very yeah similar editing similar shooting style um mm-hmm. I, you know I, I would say it's like tony scott light light um you know tony scott famous director of um top gun and mm. um another another comic-con thing that's coming back yeah. from from right decades decades ago to haunt us right yeah top gun maverick um days of thunder um he did the um quentin tarantino uh, uh script uh true romance um and he did that one denzel washington movie where like he goes in back in time oh deja vu um which, I have, the only thing i know of these is top gun Okay, Deja Vu is actually really good. Maybe it's poorly received and we should do it on this podcast because it's really fucking good. Okay. But uh, Tony Scott had like a very, like he had a visual style that um, was very, just very Tony Scott. Like if you saw it, you would think, okay, this is Tony Scott. The way things were frenetically edited, the way he kind of had like that, like washed out look um, to the film, to the, you know, the cinematography um the yeah the the use of like fast motion mm-hmm. much more than even slow motion mm-hmm. um they mock it a lot in hot fuzz actually yeah specifically that um that final shootout in the in the town square when they and then when they it spills into the um into the grocery store and then into the mini golf course that that's cut very much like what you were describing i like yeah. i know exactly what you're talking about yeah definitely so yeah this film is just like 
the bullshit version of that. Um, mm-hmm. Not every scene, but a lot of the action scenes are like that. Specifically, the beginning, the the, the car chase in the beginning of the film is is cut exactly like that. Yeah, and um, again, contrast that with the opening fight scene in, in the nightclub rave um, from the first one. It, it's like it's like night and day, like a, a vampire. <laughs> or just like any action scene in in the second one. I mean, they're all. Yeah. For, for what I can recall, good, um, yeah. serviceable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what else do we hate about this movie? Then I guess we Besides get into the things we like. Everything. Um, oh, I hate Ryan Reynolds. Um, oh, I my hate, God. I hate yep. Ryan Reynolds in this movie, and I hate him in real life. Um, yep. I'm, so- I'm sorry. He's. I'm sure he's as decent a guy as a millionaire celebrity can be. I'm sure he's like he's a decent person to his loved ones in his real life, but holy hell is he so fucking annoying in this piece of shit. <laughs> he's just, he is Goyer's mouthpiece in this movie. Goyer totally sees oh, yeah. himself as like this, like attractive, really cut, really snarky and funny guy who will like flip you off and, and call you a fuck nugget before he like shoots your head off. Yeah. He really is um, just Goyer's proxy for sure. Yeah. Awful. Just uh, the worst performance and just really, um, just incongruous with everything else in this fucking movie. Like, it's just like, it takes you out every time he's on screen. You're like, mm. why are you in this fucking movie? And what makes it worse is he bookends the film with voiceovers, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, which right. is so painful. And just, he, he's doing his dumb Van Wilder thing. He's like, oh yeah, well, you're probably, you probably think you know vampires. Blah, 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 blah. You don't really know what those blood sucking fucks are like. Blah, 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 blah. Just. Yeah. Awful. Also. The final loathsome content I want to highlight here is that they uh, did not use the alternative ending to this film, which they actually did film. Um, Mm. This you can find on YouTube or if you, for some reason, own the DVD. Um, It's Jessica Biel, uh, Abigail Whistler, and Ryan Reynolds, Hannibal King hunting a werewolf in a casino. So they go full on underworld. Yeah, they go full on underworld. And it's actually a pretty cool werewolf. Like it's a practical effects werewolf. You see it for like literally a second, but sure. it's pretty cool looking. Okay. And my idea or like my head canon, I guess you could say, is that yep. they were gonna introduce Moon Knight eventually. Oh shit. That would have been yep. Moon Knight, his first appearance is in Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night, okay. And he fights Jack Russell. Yes, okay. that is the name of Werewolf by Night. His name is Jack Russell. <laughs> comic he books, everyone. Comic books. Very, very creative. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's paid by like this syndicate, this crime syndicate, to take down Jack Russell. Um, and he's actually like not specifically a werewolf hunter. Like it's interesting in the yeah. Blade TV show that was created after this movie. For Spike TV, yep. I, I think that's a pun there. They intended that one. Mm-hmm. Um, they mentioned Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight, as like a werewolf hunter. Interesting. I remember as a kid, I was like, that's not technically correct, but... <laughs> oh my god, like, a Spike-produced Blade TV show is, is like the most on-brand thing I can think of, honestly. Yeah. That's... I watched the pilot. It was terrible. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I it heard bad. it was pretty... It, it got canceled during its first season. I think it was pretty shitty. Um, yeah, it was only like eight episodes. It didn't really last too long at all. Sure. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, I guess the other... I mean, our, our review is going to be all just saying how much we hate this shit, but like the, the <laughs> other big the other big thing that really stands out for me is is the the Dracula character, the, the secret secret ultimate villain behind everything. Um, he is really bad. He He's just this like big hulking dude and he emotes horribly and he doesn't really do much like it, it's all like his vampire flunkies no. that that drive yeah. the plot what one of, one of the best things about the first blade that a lot of people picked up on was um the metaphor of vampirism was that white society is is vampiric and in, in blade um as a black character was fighting back again he, he was using the curse that hadn't had infected him to fight back against the, the very thing that gave birth to him um, so like the, and, and he kills cops and everything and he's he fight he's against like the establishment um 
very, very potent metaphor there. Um, and if you're going to like have this European monarch, a, a, liter- a literal count, um, as the source of all that, that could have been such a good, um, symbol for, I don't know, like the, the, the European roots of colonialism that, um, that started off the, the African slave trade. Um, but of course they didn't do anything with that. No, they do absolutely nothing with it. Yeah. They even find Dracula in the Syrian desert, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. so they could have done something with like, you know, um, the Balfour Declaration or other, um, you know, European colonialism uh, mm-hmm. in, in the Middle East, but literally nothing. I mean, no. it doesn't it doesn't matter at all. No. Um, the roots of this character. Yeah, it's interesting. They I guess they really don't even mention that like he is like um, uh, Vlad the Impaler. Like that's that's not part of the mythos at all. And, that, and that's interesting because that would be very much a Goyer thing. Like he would say, like you know me by many names. I, they called me Vlad the Impaler. Like this kind of throwaway, yeah, like pseudo pseudo cultural pseudo cultured history uh, line that like to just boost the threadbare characterization. But yeah, no, he doesn't. They never mention yeah. that. Nope. I mean, he, I think, like, he is entombed uh, during, like, the uh, ancient Sumerian days or something like that. Like, they literally say, like, 4,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't get to the Vlad the Impaler stage. Um, so, yeah, weird stuff, guys, weird stuff. Uh, yeah, so I guess um, I'm just going to do a rundown of who's in this movie. As we said, Wesley Snipes, Ryan Reynolds, Jessica Biel, um, Parker Posey. Um, she plays one of the vampires named Danica Talos or Talos. Uh, Dominic Purcell is is Dracula. Um, and he's actually really great in the um, CW Arrowverse. He plays, Who is he? He plays um, the, the heat guy. Heat wave. Heatwave. He plays Heatwave. He's kind okay. of like a psychopath. Okay. Um, he's really great in that. And he was in Prison Break as well. I've never seen that, but people love Prison Break. Yep. Um, Chris Christopherson obviously reprises his role, his role as Whistler. Um, and then uh, Paul Levenquist, aka Triple H. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> plays one of the uh, plays one of the vampires uh, named Jarko Grimwood. <laughs> the only good thing. David S. Goyer has ever put into the culture. Charco yep. Grimwood. Charco um, Grimwood. <laughs> I, I I went to summer camp with Triple H's nephew. Actually, <laughs> I went to I went to a a, um, a a private school day camp um, for like I don't know five or six summers in a row as a kid. And um, in Triple H's either sister or sister in law, she was one of like the executives at this school, and she ran the school. And, wow! And she had a she had a kid, she had a son who also went to the school too. Like during, that's amazing during the year and also during the summer camp. Cause like he could just go for free. Cause his, his mom like ran the school. Yeah. yeah. So if it was like, it could have been like Stephanie McMahon's family then. Cause he's married to Stephanie McMahon. Or yeah. Was at one point. I don't know. I, I so think was it, was it a McMahon? Did you go no, to the no, school? No, 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 no. I, I think the name Levin quest sounds familiar. It's, it, it I don't know. I, I don't want to like get myself in trouble here with like Triple H or something. Okay, like, it's, yeah. it's the states. But I, I we want I him do... on the pod one day too. So oh yeah, yeah Triple he, H. He he's in he's been in a few other really terrible movies. I think. Yeah, just like he, all of them. He's branched out to acting a little bit. Um, nothing, nothing that comes to mind. But no, I can't think of it. Probably like a war movie, just like the same way like John Cena was in that movie, the the Marine or whatever. Right, right. But yeah, I I went to summer camp with Quadruple H. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this movie fucking sucks uh a bunch of vampires they go to the syrian desert um and at first i thought it, i thought i had goyer on a continuity error because they call it iraq later but apparently it's the syrian desert in iraq it's not syria in the opening in the opening credit so um so good good on you goyer you got me there um but a bunch of yeah i had to be a, a goyer defender um yeah. before we started recording i was like i'm sorry nick i'm really yeah. i hate to break it to you but goyer did not fuck up here <laughs> um a bunch of like guys dressed up like kind of special like i don't know call of duty special op people they they jump out of a helicopter in the daytime and it's it's like the bright the bright desert sunshine and one of them flips off the sun yeah. which kind of sets the mood um within the first two minutes after, after the god-awful ryan reynolds voiceover we have a a vampire dressed up like a call of duty avatar flipping off the sun yeah just uh, it the most inspired, like yeah. really the most inspired part of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then like they overuse the middle finger and like the, oh they God. say fuck you a lot or they they have like fuck you written on things like when we are introduced to abigail whistler jessica biel's character like she's just like a homeless woman and the, she has a baby and these vampires are going to attack her and they take the baby and the baby's just like a baby doll that has the words fuck you written on it and then when we first see uh ryan reynolds like he's he's in the fbi headquarters and like he has the words fuck you written on a name tag yes hello my name is fuck you yeah um yeah. um and yeah and they, there's a bunch of people flipping each other the bird whistler Right before he fucking dies, he flips yeah. people off. Um, the literal last thing he does is flip off like an FBI agent who's about to like murk him. Yeah, God, this oh God. Even the plot is so like plotting. Like the the vampire flunkies, they 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 resurrect, they dig up Dracula from his grave. Um, they feed him people to get him healthy. They they want to take over the earth. They want to kill all humans, or they want to like enslave humans so that the vampires can rule the earth again. And Blade and his new friends have to stop them. Like, like that's it. Yeah. So his new friends are called the Night Stalkers, and this is where I will take out my uh, my comic book knowledge. Uh, you know, Ooh. I, I oh. unfortunately don't know much about Old Man Logan, or thankfully I don't know much. Yeah, about thankfully Old you Man don't. Logan. Um, Old Man Logan's actually not bad, especially for a Mark Millar uh, piece. But um, that that part of it is, is is questionable to say the least. Sure. But yeah. So the Night Stalkers are actual marvel comic book characters really the only connection to the comic books in this film i would say are the night stalkers however they're a little different uh in this version they are abigail whistler uh hannibal king which is ryan reynolds character blade joins them uh and then Patton oswald's character kind of like the tech guy um that redhead actress from uh, Orange is the New Black, and she's also in that show Russian Doll on Netflix. She plays. I don't know what her role is in this, except she's a blind lady. I think she's the she's the chemist because she makes the she makes the cure to kill Dracula. Oh, you're right. Yes, she is the chemist. Um, and then there's another black guy who's like their driver. The driver. I think has a name. And then I think that's it. I think that's the Night Stalkers. And then the chemist's daughter. Who's just yeah, like and a the MacGuffin. daughter. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really it. Um, but the original Night Stalkers were Blade, Hannibal King, who was actually a vampire detective. Okay. Um, so he wasn't just some like bad boy who used to be a vampire familiar. Um, he is actually a vampire and he is a detective. And well, then there was what's interesting in this movie, well not interesting, but notably in this movie, he was a vampire for like a period of five years and then he was cured. That's right. Yeah, that's true. He was a vampire, and then he was cured. But was he a vampire familiar as well, or do you become a? I don't. I didn't ever understood. That no, he 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 was he was a vampire because um, Danica threatens him by saying, "I'll turn you into a vampire and then starve you and then force you to to eat the girl." Oh, okay. And, and that that's how she that's how she coerces him to give up information. Right, right. In this version, he's been cured of his vampirism. In the comic books, he is a vampire. Um, and then rounding out the Night Stalkers is uh, Frank Drake, who is actually a descendant of Dracula, and he's kind of like a millionaire playboy type. Uh, they band together at the behest of Doctor Strange. Actually, Doctor Strange comes to them individually and says, "Hey, you guys could." should join up because uh lilith the mother of all demons uh, she's also a vampire like queen vampire type character she's trying to use this book called the dark hold which is actually in um one of the later seasons of the agents of shield tv show hmm. um when ghostwriters introduced of course it's the robbie ray as ghostwriter it's not the dan kench ghostwriter um and uh the, yeah so the night stalkers is actually and it's they're a 90s uh, uh group so they they do cross paths with the 90s ghostwriter the best ghostwriter dan Ketch, yes. of course yes. uh yes folks i will mention uh dan catch ghostwriter in every episode that i possibly can <laughs> well it's certainly appropriate here just like hor- horror supernatural themed marvel characters there's a lot of crossover there yeah for sure um, unfortunately, we'll never see Dan Ketch, Ghost Rider, in any kind of Marvel media. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even the comic books. Like, he's really not in any single comic book. They, Ghost Rider is in a few comic books right now, but mm-hmm. um, not Dan. So, justice for Danny. Justice day, for Danny. One day. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Danny. <laughs> um, 
yeah, God, what what's good about this movie? <laughs> um, it's I don't know, like the opening camaraderie between Blade and Whistler. Like you said, it's it's pretty good, but it's not good. But like, it was a nice reminder of like the the camaraderie they had in the other movies. Um, what's strange about Whistler in this series is like he he kind of dies like twice. Like oh he, yeah, that's right. At, halfway through the first movie he he kills himself because he's infected with vampirism and blade's like i'm not gonna kill you but like i won't let you live and he gives him a gun mm-hmm. and then he kills himself so he doesn't turn to a vampire um but then in the second movie it's revealed that he did turn to a vampire and that's how he survived the gunshot wound and so blade captures him and cures him right, right. and then he lives throughout the entire second one and then he reappears in this one and um he dies when the cops kill him, when the cops raid Blade's hideout. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we should mention that aspect, that plot beat. The Yeah, because... Sorry. Yeah. No, I don't want to talk about it. You can talk about it. <laughs> um, I, I do like that little plot element. Like, conceptually, it, it, it's pretty clever. Um, the vampires realize that they can't kill Blade. Like, he just, like, mows through them. So what they do is they set up a trap for him using their familiars um they stage a very public killing of a familiar by blade and it's like right in the middle of like downtown and a bunch of people see it um it's it's caught on the news the police see it and everything and so the plan being that now the police will be hunting blade instead of like doing the vampire's dirty work for them which is is a clever neat idea to kick off, kick off the movie yeah definitely and you know it, it feels grounded in the real world unlike the modern MCU for as much as the modern MCU would like to think it feels grounded in the real world, you know, having the um, Sokovia Accords, you know, the superhuman registration act and um, just all the other bullshit, you know, like Tony Stark being a weapons guy who actually is taken by some kind of, you know, terrorist group in Iraq and yada, yada, yada. It's just like, it never feels real. It always feels like it's made up land, which is fine. But again, they try so hard to exist in some kind of real world context. Yeah. Um, But this film, like I think it does a fairly good job. Yeah. It it, just, just to touch on what you were saying, like it's fine to have it be a fantastical world that only slightly resembles our own, but you can't have it both ways. You can't have it be like, oh, a god from Asgard and a a billionaire who can invent anything by snapping his fingers. But it's also grounded in the real world. Like, no, you just go go one direction. You can't... It it, it feels false to try to have both of these these aesthetics at the same time. Yeah, that's why, again, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is the only good Marvel film. Fuck you all. Bye. (laughs) End of this episode. Yes, end of the episode. Um, The cops raid Blade's hideout. And it's kind of cool. It's like like in a little... um, It's like an abandoned dock or something. It's like a, like a, not a dry dock, but like a, a shipyard where like the, the, they can repair ships and everything. I'm not sure if it was that set or the set that was the Night Stalker HQ, but one of them was like a McDonald's in Vancouver. That was my understanding that it wow. was like a McDonald's made in the 70s or 80s, uh, part of like some weird promotion McDonald's was doing. So, like, you could eat McDonald's on the water, that, um, and then it went out of business. That is really funny, and that kind of matches the aesthetic of this film. <laughs> I would I would say that the Night Suckers, um, if I had to guess, it, it would be the Night Suckers hideout, because, like, that looks kind of, like, faux futuristic and really, like, shitty yeah. corporate, like corporate windows and like glass yes. and plastic yeah. everywhere yeah so. i think it's that one yeah but this has like uh yeah more like grungy like actual like you know longshoreman dock exactly to yeah it. yeah yeah no so that was a neat hideout um but yeah blade gets captured he gets taken in and they try to psychoanalyze him and you find out that the the psychoanalysts in most of the feds who captured him and apparently the the united esperanto states of america um <laughs> Most of them are are familiars because they want to be vampires too. Eventually, yeah, v- vampire familiars in the Blade universe—they're they're humans that are like retainers of the vampires. They're they're servants. They're errand boys. Um, with with the idea that if they if they put in enough years of service, they will be granted vampirism and in, in a mortal life. And and that's another neat aspect. Like it, most of it. Th- this does come from Blade One. That um, some of the cops that he fights in Blade One are uh, familiars. Um, which kind of like it's a cool metaphor because um 
cops as familiars is just it 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 is basically cops being the the lapdogs and and the foot soldiers of the state which which is vampirism but they they i i guess it's it's kind of neat that in this movie they drive it home further by showing that like it goes up higher than just like beat cops yeah yep it goes up to the fbi um yeah fbi sucks and that um that psychologist that that tries to profile him oh yep yep yeah, his office is kind of cool. Like, and his office building has a very much like an Art Deco aesthetic to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then concurrent with all this, uh, Danica and um, God, what's his name? What's Triple H's name? Uh, Jarko Grimwood. Jarko Grimwood. How could Jarko, you forget? Sorry, yeah, Danica. Oh God, and what's what that useless character? Her brother, her twin. Oh, brother? her brother. Yeah, her twin brother. It's so a lot of the characters in the the vampire. Um, what would you call a grouping of vampires? Like a brood? Brood, yeah. Syndicate. Yeah, the, syndicate, yeah, whatever. A lot of them are just like, just totally useless. Like they really should have trimmed a lot of the fat in this screenplay. Yep. Um, her brother character, I, I don't know what the actor's name is. I don't care. He has five lines. He's totally useless. Um, but they keep mentioning like, oh, you, you, Danica and her brother. Like I was like, wait, was it Triple H as her brother? Oh no, some other useless fucking character is her brother. I don't even remember him dying at the end. No, I, 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 it might be off screen. I don't even remember it all. Yeah, that's so bad. And, and then there's that other woman vampire character. She, she dies like halfway through, but she, she's like somewhat prominent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She, and she has mm-hmm. like a handful. She, she has more lines than than Danica's brother does. Yeah. But yeah, she, she just exists to be killed unceremoniously. And it's the same thing with the Night Stalkers, right? I mean, Patton Oswalt, the Black Driver. Yep. Um, they just die while they're playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the actress from Arms is a New Black, she really just exists to create the serum and then like um, get fridged. And to, and to be the touchstone for the, the little girl character too, because she's the mother of the girl. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that, that could've, they could have just said, oh, we found this orphan and she lives with us. So like, whatever. Yeah, and then oh god, a bunch of other bullshit happens. Blade teams up with Abigail and Hannibal, and like they're like a team, and they they kill a bunch of vampires with like guns and swords, and they kill a bunch of familiars during the daytime, and they have this really stupid thing. Oh god, this we- this weapon is so stupid. It's 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 like a bow for like a bow. Oh arrow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you don't shoot, use it to shoot arrows. You use it as like a big sword what would be the string becomes like a laser blade and you can like punch with it. And it's the stupidest fucking thing. And when I first saw it, cause like Abigail uses it in her first fight scene, I thought like it was her bow and arrow, but like it, so it, too. Mm-hmm. it had like a, it had like an attachment or a gadget on the bow, but no, it, it's just like another thing that she pulls out and it's really distracting and it looks awful. Like the, the CGI yeah. of it looks t- like dog shit. Yeah, and she she uses it in that scene, and then she like just tests it out in in front of Blade and Patton Oswalt while he's describing things. She's like, "Let me take over," and she explains like that, and then like they, yep. I don't even think she uses it in the in the final fight scene. She uses it once. She uses it. She uses it once when yeah. she yeah when she's gonna untie the little girl, and then the girl's like, "Look out! Look out!" And then a vampire tries to. It's just such an awkward weapon to yep. wield. Yep. And like it, to and to like explain. You know what it's like. It's the fact like, that they had to explain it at all is ridiculous. You know what it's like. It's like um the Klingon Beleth, that that blade that the Klingons use. No, I don't. But it, it, go ahead. It, I, I'm not that I'm a Star Trek person, but like, it it it's like a big curve, like a big like a, like a oh, like a big capital yeah. C. I, okay, yeah. I'm aware of this. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's. It's like the most impractical dog shit looking thing ever. Like you, you, no one can use that. Like you, it, it's it doesn't work. In real life, but like it's it's a laser too, so you can like cut yourself in half if you need to. But yeah, a bunch of bullshit happens. The, my favorite scene in the whole movie, though, is when they go to this warehouse and like it's like row upon row upon row of like dead humans yep. who are being like harvested of their blood. Like they can produce fifty to a hundred gallons or whatever of yep. blood before they just like they just murk them and like dump them somewhere um and they like try and have a political statement about like oh these are all indigent and like poor people they're all homeless and like no one cares about them they're the vulnerable population and you know who says that it's it's the fbi director of that city who's a familiar because like they take oh yeah they take him hostage Mm -hmm. and they force him to tell him everything he knows and he looks like cory booker he does that character looks like cory booker (laughs) 
uh and he gets murked blade kills him uh but then like the fucking crazy thing is they're like whoa uh what's like the shutdown code for this warehouse and instead of like saving these people i mean i guess maybe they're like too far gone well they like they just kill everybody well they they say that they're brain dead yeah i guess i it's just like it's just strange for them just to be like all right put the code just kill like hundreds of people it's strange for sure like i Goyer, that was like his safe, like like his, that was like his little back door that he wrote himself, so he could get out of like having Blade be like a mass murderer of innocent people anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, supposedly they're brain they're brain dead and they can't be revived, so like that makes it okay. Yeah. Uh, another great scene is when Drake goes to like a oh my store, God, like a hot topic. Yep. Uh, and they try and sell him a Dracula dildo. And, and he just kills both people in the store. And the snarky goth guy is eating uh, Count Chocula cereal. Right. Yeah. So what else happens? How, how the hell do the vampire brood, how do they capture Hannibal King? Oh, um, he, he's wounded. And he's they wounded. they infiltrate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he gets wounded in some fight. Um, and then they infiltrate the Night Stalker. The McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's. And then, um, yeah, they kill Patton Oswalt. They thank kill, <laughs> yeah, thank. Um, they kill the driver guy. Thank Allah. They kill. They kill the chemist, and they yeah. capture Hannibal King and the little girl. Yes, and then we get probably the best part of this film, which is the the final act, or at least just the final shootout scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It's it's. It's serviceable action. Um, it's probably actually not directed by David Escoria. That's probably why it's good. It's probably directed by like a second unit director. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it wouldn't be out of place in like Blade 1 or Blade 2. Yeah. So there's like they storm the Vampire HQ and it's like in a high rise building. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it would have been cool if they actually like went through all the floors. But I think like they just kind of start on the top level. No, you know how they you know how they they get introduced. Um, Hannibal King is being beaten by Triple H and Danica, right? And Danica's nothing brother in his cell, and they drop in from yes. the ceiling. That's right. Because at first, um, we see the um, the HVAC system starts pumping in colloidal silver. Yes. <laughs> Yes. He's like, oh, uh, that's colloidal silver. That means my friends are here because they put a tracker in my butt cheeks. You, my left you, ass cheek, you my fucks, right ass cheek. You stupid fucks! You stupid fucking idiots! <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it, yeah, it is actually Blade and Abigail, um, and it's kind of like a like an equilibrium esque shootout. Like it's yeah, it's just like a very like high body count, um just like competently directed fast shootout fast yeah. sh- fast shots fast shots of them make taking shots with guns and like yeah i don't know i i just wish it was like i i would have really liked this fight scene more if it was shot in a more interesting location it's just like such a dull like glass hallway mm-hmm. it looks like an airport yeah. like lobby or something it's just it's very boring um again to go back to blade one like the the opening and closing fights of Blade One are in the like the the meatpacking rave um, at the beginning, and this right. this kind of like cool Sumerian like death temple at the end, which is like very stripped down but very like efficient. It's almost like an archaeological dig. Um, yeah, just dis- distinctive settings and distinctive uh, sets, which was very cool. Um, but yeah, in this one we get like the Atlanta International Airport. <laughs> yeah well most likely the vancouver international oh, yeah, airport that's, that's they, true. the yeah. whole film is shot in vancouver yeah um but yeah so it's that shootout and then we get like these more intimate kind of showdowns between uh triple h and hannibal uh it's kind of like a cage match actually it's yeah. in the like the holding cell that hannibal is in um and it's 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 fisticuffs um there's some grappling moves you know there's like some some tap out holds oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that the triple h does to him triple h um really reminded me of another marvel character uh Sabretooth here yeah he would have been a good Sabretooth. yeah he would have been yeah and he has like his fangs are like metal mm-hmm. kind of like uh like jaws from the uh the, the mm, bond films okay yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of that. yeah um 
and then Hannibal just like puts one of the UV uh, bullet rounds in Triple H's mouth. No, you know what it is? That's how he kills him. It's one of those gadgets that they gave to Blade in early in the movie. It's like if you if you bite on this and breathe in, like it'll it'll suppress your hunger, your bloodthirst or whatever. No, no, no. It's it's uh it's one of the UV rounds because he has the metal fangs, so mm, he puts okay, that yeah. in his yeah, mouth yeah. and then Ryan Reynolds like kicks him in the chin or something. Yeah, you're right. I I was thinking it snaps. I, w- I was thinking it was one of those inhaler things because they went out of their way to introduce it in the beginning. Right. I mean, nothing comes of that like at all. Yeah, That's it's it's thing, very strange. You know? Yeah. Um. And then what else do we have in this fucking scene? Um. Abigail saves the little girl whose name I forget, and um. She shoots people with her bow, and she shoots people with guns, and she beats them up. Well, and, and then Blade does the same, but then Blade uh, has a showdown with Drake, Dracula Drake. Um, they have a sword fight, and Drake's like, oh, you, you fight with honor, like, I respect you, and blah, blah, blah. and then they just have a sword fight. Yeah, yeah. So, I was actually hoping that, like, Abigail would be able to have, like, some kind of uh, showdown with, um, with Danica, Danica. Talos, yeah. you know, because, like, at, at one point, I thought it was going to happen because Danica has, like, some kind of, like, you know, mini machine gun and she starts shooting her and I was like, oh, they're going to do, like, some, like, uh, like, gun kata shit here. Yep. That'd be cool. And then, like, they don't. Like, uh, Ryan Reynolds just, like, tackles Danica and kills her. Right. Like, that was, that was that. But no, no, Abigail... he, he, he doesn't kill her. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He just kind of incapacitates her and then when Abigail shoots the arrow of vampire killer serum uh, at Drake. Drake catches it. Blade and Drake keep fighting. Blade eventually stabs him with the arrow, and and this releases a virus that kills any vampires in the immediate area. Yeah, it, it kills it kills Dracula, and it kills most vampires in, like, I think it's, like, the city it's implied or whatever. Um, and, and, and also... They had theorized that it would it would kill it would kill Blade too because he's part of vampire, right? But it doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't die, doesn't. folks. He's alive. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. but unfortunately, this movie staggers on to its conclusion. Um, yeah, it's funny. This movie actually had a post credit scene, and the post credit scene is just Blade driving, driving just in driving. Uh, a car. Yep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> just like a charger. <laughs> there, there was one neat little twist at the end. It was um, when the police come. To investigate the the shot up building, they find Blade's corpse. Um, but when they bring it back to the morgue, it reverts to uh, Drake's corpse because they mention that Drake can do limited shape shifting into like other people. And um, at the conclusion of their fight, after Drake lay dying, he's like, "Because you fought with honor, I'll give you I'll give you a gift." And that was his gift. Right. He, he let Blade escape from the authorities, which was it was kind of neat. Like he he recognized that Blade has honor as a warrior, and he he gave him that. Yeah. It's something. Whatever. Um, yeah, it's kind of the movie. I really don't want to keep talking about it because it's so fucking terrible. There's a there's a vampiric uh, Pomeranian. Um, yes, and two Rottweilers. Which, which reminded me of Hulk because it was another early Marvel film that they used, uh, where the villain used dogs for their for their dirty work. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting about those um, the dogs, the Pomeranian named Pac-Man, uh, and then I don't know what the Rottweilers. They don't get they're they're not given names, but um, Triple H does name the Pomeranian Pac-Man because their their mouths open kind of like Predator. Well, actually, their their mouths open a lot like the um, the Reapers, the Reaver, Reaver. yeah, the Reapers or Reavers or whatever. What this this the super vampires from Blade Two, super vampires from Blade Two. So. Yeah, there's the super vampires from Blade 2 that their mouths open kind of like Predator. Then these guys open their mouths like that. Um, and then... My my headcanon is that uh, Jarko Grimwood uses them to intimidate the other vampires. I don't even think that's headcanon. Like, I feel like that's just like, kind of like within the canon. <laughs> well, they say that they're experimenting on animals, but they don't say why. Yeah, I guess it's fair enough. But Drake also has a mouth like that too. Like his mouth all, also opens like that. When he's in like his monster form, yeah. When he when he when he's in his bloodborne boss stage two mode, yeah. He kind of he looks like Darth Maul. Yeah, had sex with a predator. Yeah, Dar- Darth Maul. Not not that kind of predator, like you know, like a like a alien. Yeah. So workers of note, um, I guess we could do our first no- uh, worker of like dishonor here. We could give one to David Escoyer. Yeah, David Escoyer. I just wanted to highlight the Pomeranian and the Rottweilers. Yeah, they're fuck cool. it. And they uh, good. and Wesley Snipes. He he. 
he put a lot into this role over the years and like he he really cares about it and um and again marvel movies and superhero movies at large would not be what they are today without without uh, blades kind of trailblazing as it did for sure i mean any interview that you read or watch be it steve norrington or guillermo del toro or even uh, paul feig who had nothing to do with the production of these films um but you know is the main producer for all Wait, of the mcu not, films not paul feig Kev- kevin feige whatever Paul, Fe- Paul, Fe- Paul Feig is a Ghostbusters guy, a completely different person. Yeah, whatever. That's the same guy. doesn't matter. That's my headcanon. That's my headcanon. <laughs> my headcanon. Um, but uh, yeah, they all talk about Blade, the influence Blade yeah. had on... on and, and not just Blade, but Wesley Snipes and his dedication to the character and so on and so forth. And to, and to tie, I guess, the first mention of leftist politics in this entire episode in... Um, once again, uh, black Americans kind of paved the way for cultural innovation and it's stolen by white people. Yeah, that's true. Blade is the jazz of the Marvel universe. Blade is the, um, I don't know, the, the decades of black rock and roll musicians to the Marvel universe's Elvis Presley. There you go. Perfect. So who's our, who's our broke recommendation here? Um, who? I don't know. What though? What? Uh, What? Okay. (laughs) Uh, it's late folks um our broke recommendation is our perennial broke recommendation for any marvel film and uh we recommend this film for marvel completists Mm -hmm. that's it that's always going to be our broke recommendation for these fucking movies which which to be fair is like half the fucking population of the earth at this point um but yeah yeah it's pay pay respects to the to the early greats i guess um our woke recommendation is for um I would say Twilight fans, fan of the Twilight series. Um, I'm personally not a fan. I did read the first book. I didn't like it that much, but I read it. But fans of that series who want to prove to toxic masculinity, internet assholes, that you can make a badass male-oriented, teenage teenage male-oriented vampire film, um, and it can suck. It can suck just as much as they claim that Twilight does. Yeah, that's true. Um, if anybody ever tells you that twilight movies are absurd vampires sparkle just be like yeah but fucking blade trinity exists so fuck off forever yep um and our bespoke recommendation is for anybody who believes um and this is a correct take (laughs) that tax evasion is cool um especially in this country don't pay taxes especially in this country pay them when you can if you get like if they make a new form and you can check where your taxes go. Now, granted, a lot of right-wing assholes, they'll abuse that, of course. Yep. But if I could check, like, it's only going to social programs. None of this goes to the military. Yep. None of this goes to fund my local police department. Yep. Uh, cool. That'd be fucking awesome. Yep. I'd love to pay taxes. I'd feel good about it. Yep. But I don't currently because all that money goes to fund wars abroad, basically. Yeah, do, do not mistake the pro-con anti-tax stance uh, for an ANCAP uh, anti-tax cans we we we're, we're in support of of social welfare programs just we're not in support of uh bombing innocent syrian kids exactly we're, we're not libertarians uh we're not that kind of asshole um but this is relevant because wesley snipes had gone to prison for like three years uh for evading taxes with like this other group of people they had like this gigantic tax scheme and it was like 23 million though like that was it really it's like really that's not that much yeah I mean, compar- like, comparatively like the federal government like makes prints that kind of money daily yeah. like so who fucking cares um but uh it was reported that wesley snipes uh sent a letter to the irs and in the letter he said that he wasn't paying taxes because the irs uh terrorizes enslaves rapes uh and pillages taxpayers hell yes go off um go off now you know i I, his politics are non-existent honestly and he's he's rich too i guess Um, yeah and he's a rich dude he's perfectly fine now um he's really not in any movies anymore i think he did a movie where he was like uh it was another like supernatural type film where he was some kind of like gunslinger in the wild west and there were like zombies or something okay. uh and it was released years later because i i, I think like it, he made it before he went to prison and then they released it when he got out of prison oh damn they, they waited they waited for him <laughs> yeah i think they waited for him that's kind of cool but i i uh it's actually it's funny i i worked at a movie theater uh for a very long time 
and I would do a film club with uh, some of the people I worked with, and that was one of the movies that I actually chose to watch. Hell yes. I was like, all right, guys, we're going to do the film club for this, And it, but the thing is, like, everybody else watched it, and I actually, I've never seen uh, this movie. <laughs> I don't even know the name of it, but we should, uh, it used to be on Netflix, and it's Wesley Snipes' Gunslinger who, like, fights zombies in the Old West. I mean, I'm sure it's received horribly, so we're going to have to do it for the show. Yeah, we're going to have to do it eventually. Yeah. It might be, a, a, yeah, a premium episode one day. But yeah, as, as far as the as far as the Snipes versus Goyer um, feud goes, we come down hard on Team Snipes. Yes, Team Snipes forever. Um, as you all know, if you've listened to uh, the the last fifty minutes of us rambling, we hate David Escort. So <laughs> for the, for those of you just tuning in, we uh, we do hate David Escort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if you skip to the end of our podcast because you're just like, you know what, I want to give them a lesson yeah. uh, on uh, on whatever uh, service you use uh, to listen to podcasts. Uh, thank you for doing so, but we also hate David Escar. You have to know that. And I will leave you with this one last anecdote um, from my childhood. Um, so one of the things I, again, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but one of the things I disliked about this movie was Blade's outfit. It looks really dweeby, um, especially compared to like his other Blade 1 and Blade 2 outfit, just like all black, all leather, cool boots. But in this one, like his boots are like rubber on the bottom. I noticed that that was really shitty. Hmm. And um, and he wears like a, a long sleeve red t shirt underneath a black vest. Oh yeah, and it looks really dopey. But um, so I never actually bought a sword when I was a kid. But I really wanted to buy a sword when I was like a dweeby, like insult teenager. And there was this one catalog I had, and they sold a reproduction of Blade Sword called the Daywalker Sword. Yes, but it, yes. but it was it was like a generic reproduction obviously it was like not licensed by marvel so they just called it daywalker sword because the word daywalker wasn't wasn't trademarked and um in in the the catalog that i had the model wearing the sword the guy he was like this like doughy white guy with a long sleeve (laughs) red t-shirt on (laughs) he's wearing the daywalker sword and like he's not even doing a pose he's not like standing like proudly or anything he's not like even holding the sword it's just on his back on the holster and he's kind of like slouched over and it's like like this really shitty photograph taken from his like from the rear <laughs> so that's all i could think of when i saw um Holy wesley snipes shit. running around this, this long sleeve red t-shirt well yeah everyone that's a uh, blade blade three blade trinity whatever don't watch this watch the first two that's it yeah we're sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh signing off see you next time please please come back <laughs> Come back like an undead vampire. Oh, bye. Bye, folks. Oh, my goodness. Don't worry, I'm going to get you. Don't matter how I put it. Let me say something. Let me talk. Let me tell it. Please. Let me finish that talk. Let me tell it.